Hey everybody, how's it going? Hey, Coach here. I hope uh, January is kicking off with a fairly good note for y'all. I really, I really think that's important that you know we kick a new year off on a, a positive note. I hope that everybody that happens to listen to this is is healthy, that has some kind of maybe goal set for themselves this year. Not necessarily a landscape goal, but just a good goal to, to strive towards. Anyway, I thought that this particular topic, this one about preparing for the unforeseen in a landscape project, is a good one, especially if you're considering a project uh, in the months to come. I thought it would be important. Last time we visited, we talked about safety and other stuff. And this time we're going to talk about uh, get your head around the things that might happen and how to prepare for them so they don't, you know, kick you to the curb and you just throw up your hands and go, F this, I am done. Many DIYers would basically just stop, quit, or they turn and call a coach to say, uh, I can't do this, come do it for me. But armed with knowledge, you can predict, you can address, and overcome so these obstacles don't stop you in your tracks and your project will move forward to a successful end. So, hey, I'm glad you're here. Thanks for taking a couple minutes and joining me as you're doing whatever you're doing. Let's do this thing, shall we? Hey, I'm Matt, you can call me coach. Every Friday I bring with me landscape DIY education, concepts and theories, ideas and solutions so you guys can go out and tackle a landscape project yourself get professional results, save a whole lot of money in the process, and in this day and age, be a lot more self-reliant. Man, after a 20 plus year career in the green industry, I'm bringing with me a lot of knowledge and experience that I wanna share with you guys, the new, modern, educated, self-reliant homeowner of today. You know, for many years when I was uh, actively contracting and designing for people and doing all the things that I did in the green industry, many, and I mean many, unforeseen obstacles would raise their ugly heads on job sites. You know, as, as a businessman, it, it became really apparent to me early on that I had, I had to cover my ass. So today I'm gonna teach you a little bit so you can cover your ass. It is a very important factor that one needs to consider when taking on a project by themselves. I took it so seriously that as a contractor, I literally wrote clauses into the contracts I had with clients because I fully expected every single job. I expected something was going to you know, reveal itself that would stop me temporarily, where I had to call the client and say, hey, I just found such and such. And we need to talk. So for those of you who are doing a DIY landscape project, especially those with older existing landscapes, because we can, oh, I don't know how to say it, because we can often never predict what is going to be behind the walls, under the ground, under the house, or someplace else. You just can't predict it. I cannot count the number of times I ran into obstacles that the client had no idea was present and you call their attention to it and they just go, WTF? I had no idea something like that was there. You know, one of the big ones that comes to mind as an example was uh, I had a backyard landscape and an existing home, probably since this was uh, around 2002 or three, I was gonna 
demolished the backyard and we were gonna re-landscape it so it fit the new homeowners and their family. And as I started to dig into things and take stuff out, I found an 18 foot by 20 foot rebar reinforced patio or old garage slab about six inches under the ground where the existing lawn area was and where new patios and new lawn irrigation and drainage was gonna go. Yeah, needless to say, that was an expensive, unforeseen budget breaker. And when I showed it to the clients, you know, both of them just kind of dropped their heads and shook their head. And I went, man, guys, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, I certainly didn't know it was there. You guys certainly didn't know it was there. So what do you want me to do? You know, and in that particular case, it added uh, a real pretty penny to the cost of the job. I wasn't going to tear into that because it was uh, mm, the better part of two plus days with three people working on that thing with uh, a concrete breaker on the front of a bobcat and a 60 pound sledge, metal rebar cutter. Yeah, and then the haul out and dump fee and everything else that went along with it. Yeah, that was... That added, that added some stress to the owners, and I felt really bad. I, I really did. I, you know, they were 30-somethings, they were and this was a move-up home, and it really uh, it put a damper on it temporarily. But after it was all done, you know, we were able to move forward, and the job came out really nice, and they were, they were happy about it, even though they were, you know, a couple thousand dollars poorer. But uh, that's, the, that's the unforeseen. You know, and, and what would have happened if they had done it themselves and they would have come across something like that? Said, yeah, 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 yeah. So what would they have done if they had come across something like that and they were doing it themselves? That would have been a real pause and reflect moment for the average DIY homeowner. It really would have been. How do you overcome these things? Well, my best advice is this. If, if you have a home and you are, say, the third to fifth owner or something like that. The, the home is decades old, shall we say. And having some history or knowledge about what has gone on there over the years, wouldn't that be really helpful? Yes or no? I think it would be. Here's some things that I've, I've suggested to people on consultations. It's things that I have done myself on job site, uh, prospective job sites. And maybe it'll help you guys a little bit too. Uh, first of all, depending on what your situation is, go out there and do some small exploration on your own using a shovel, plain and simple. Generally around the foundation, around where things come out of the house and go into the ground, you will be surprised what you can find. You know, a lot of times people take shortcuts like that buried patio. You know, I, I could have pictured like a, a one-car garage there years and years ago, or a uh, an old patio and that somebody came in and raised the grade up and put a lawn in and had torn down or whatever, whatever happened there. You know, sometimes you just don't know. You don't know what you don't know. Here's another one is asking the previous owners during escrow, hey, we are considering maybe redoing some of the landscape in the front or in the back or on the side or whatever. Is there anything that I need to be concerned about or is there anything that you can show me that I will probably find if I start trenching, digging, uh, 
putting in pipe, anything like that. If they did it themselves and they have personal knowledge, sometimes they'll share it with you. Sometimes if they did it really poorly or illegally, they might not. But be a good read of the person's face as you ask these questions. Oftentimes that's a big tell right there. The other thing you can do is go to your local authorities, you know, down at city hall or county planning commission where permits are pulled and check to see if there was any permitted work over a period of time. Let's just, if you got an older home, go back 30 years, you know, or more and see what is pulled. And that'll tell you a little something. If you look and go, hey, there was this garage that was built back there. There's no garage now. So, you know, and put two and two together and make sure it comes up with four, not five. Another thing you can do is inspect the project area for any anomalies. Uh, I shared with you one small little tidbit in the last podcast, and that was uh, when I say anomalies, I mean like you have a coated Romex wire that just comes out of the stucco wall and goes into the ground in the backyard. That's, yeah, that would be an anomaly. And then you don't know where it goes. So hence, you go back to the first one I just mentioned, do some careful exploration with a shovel and see what's up. You know, I have, I have found, <laughs> oh, some cheap ass landscapers and illegal landscapers that have done drain lines, you know, and they've connected them to the downspouts and then they put them under the ground, put some duct tape over the end and never ran them anywhere. They just went six inches under the ground and then they backfilled it with dirt and they called it a drain line. And then I get there and I've got to move stuff around and we're going to redo stuff. And as I get to there, I pull, you know, I pull the old stuff and there's no actual line. And they wondered why it was so soft and so flooded on the corner of their house. Yep. And then when I show them that, I, hmm, yeah. Production work. Be careful with production work at new homes. Not everybody is as honest as you are. So sometimes they cut corners. Sometimes they run out of materials and they just stretch crap just to make the budget, I guess. I don't know. Here's another one that I found very, very useful. Actually, on my very first house, I found this. And uh, that was talking to the neighbors. You know, in my book, I tell you about Tom. Tom was a wealth of information on my house. It really was. And I used Tom to my advantage. Even though he was a bit of an ass, an arrogant ass, he, uh, he knew I was working hard. And I, he knew that I was trying to improve my first house, uh, which in turn would improve the neighborhood, believe me. Uh, and so he told me, you know, yeah, some of that stuff, this was that. And yeah, they used to have a such and such there. And it, yeah, it, it was like that quite a bit. So I used the neighbors to find out, hey, you know, I'm your new neighbor, John, next door. How are you? Hey, we may be doing a, a landscape project over there this spring. Um, can you give me any sort of insight since you've been here 25 years about what the Smiths might have done in the backyard or anybody else? You know, and who knows what you're going to come up with. You may very well get a story. You're just going, huh? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They used to take care of dogs and yeah, and when the dogs died, they just bury them out there. So don't be surprised if you find a bunch of bones. And mm -hmm. mention that one in the book too. Anyway, all of these, all of these can possibly shed some light on what form of unforeseenness 
might be present in your landscape project area. I mean, sometimes it, I guess it would scare you, but at the same token, knowledge is power. And wouldn't you rather know it going in and be able to form a plan around than to get into the middle of it and then discover it? And you go, oh, holy crap, now what do I do? You know, in one project I did, we never could have predicted, and this one, this one wasn't too long ago, never could have predicted a heavy-duty cement truck would discover an old abandoned outhouse pit out in the middle of the backyard, the hard way. It literally just crumbled the ground in. And that cement truck full of nine yards of concrete sunk the back axle on the passenger side. Fortunately, it was heavy enough that it just powered out of it, and we were able to keep on going. But all of a sudden, I was faced with having to make sure that that hole in the back lawn, of which I showed the homeowner, uh, got filled back in correctly so it wouldn't do that again. And oh man, there's a whole story behind that too. But fortunately the truck did, uh, did not get stuck and we were able to uh, get the pour done. But who knew? The homeowner there certainly didn't know anything about that and it was a speculation that it probably was an outhouse pit from a long time ago because the house was really, really it was Great Depression era home. So it was, it'd been there for many decades. You know, for me, there was always kind of a two-prong approach to unforeseen matters in landscape projects. I'll share that with you right now. They're really easy. Always expect them. Always, without a doubt, expect the unforeseen. Number two, this way, they are not surprises. When you come across it, you can just drop your head, shake it for a second and go, okay, that's what coach talked about. You know, here is my first unforeseen obstacle. There's, there's really no reason to throw your hands up and give up. It, there really isn't. Because going into it with your eyes wide open instead of shut is a much better mental frame of reference than to go into them going, oh man, I, I hope nothing goes wrong. I, oh, oh my God, there's a pipe here. What am I going to... No, you, you don't need to do that. And there's a lot of people that do. You know, they expect everything just to be, you know, roses and unicorns doing this DIY project when they've never done it before. And they, they tend to really get mentally shattered and emotionally shattered when they come across something that they really did not expect. No reason to really give up. But, you know, another thing that I could suggest to you, another is a, the old what-if way of thinking. In a whole nother career, I was taught to always think of what if. Not to be confused now with analysis paralysis. I don't want you to ever get in that frame of mind. But the what if. You know, if you sat down at the kitchen table with your significant and you said, okay, let's, let's just come up with 10 what ifs. If we come up against a what if that is blah, 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 what might we do? Make it a double column. You know, and, and problem, solution, whatever, on a piece of paper. And if you came across it, you're already 50% over the hump already on how you can take care of that. Thinking about some possibilities and how you would overcome them is good mental training. It really is. It allows you to have a reasonable course of action in your head before it even happens. And should that problem arise, you go, no. Hey, that happens to be number seven. Yeah, I know how we can deal with this. Yeah, we, it sets us back a day, but we'll be all right. And doesn't that, wouldn't that feel a lot better at the end of the day instead of, 
you know, crying in your beer or crying in your glass of wine and just going, oh, crap, now what am I going to do? Jeez, I thought I could do this whole thing. I've been listening to this yard coach guy, and but he never told us that this could... Nuh-uh, no, not now. So how do these unforeseen obstacles affect folks? You know, well, over the years, I have seen and helped many who ran headfirst into that obstacle wall over the years. I really have. And some of them, they were just freaking train wrecks. They, some plane flat just quit right off the bat. I mean, day one. I'm done with this crap. I'm not doing it no more. This was not what I wanted to do, blah, blah, blah. And they rationalized their quitting behavior to themselves and whoever else would listen. That's, that's one that I've seen. Some started to overcome, but they felt they reached their personal limits. Now, in some respects, depending on what the obstacle is, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe, maybe that is because, you know, they don't have the tools. They don't have the, the physicality to overcome it. Uh, they don't have the circle of influence that they could ring up and say, dude, I need your help. You know, maybe they don't have that. So in some cases, I, I often understood when I reached a home and that was the case. Another one is, uh, and I think is a lot smarter, is some thought enough to call for a consultation and seek out a solution from a professional. And it could be anything from uh, leach fields that they didn't expect, uh, septic tank that they didn't expect, gas line, etc. Some of the things I'll talk about in a minute. And then again, there was always the fourth solution, and that was they just took out a freaking second mortgage and paid coach to finish the project. That's, that's what I've seen as well. And in some cases, it made them a lot happier people because it, they kind of got taken off that meat hook and they could just sit back with a cup of coffee and watch coach work. And that's okay if you can do it. I mean, shoot, I made a good living off of that. But nah, you know, this channel is, this channel is all about self-reliance. And self-reliance doesn't mean you go you know, tens of thousands of dollars back into debt. And all of a sudden you're paying coach $40,000 and you were only going to spend 12 as a DIYer. And what could you have done with that other 28 grand? You know, you could have left it in the bank and not have to pay interest on it. Or, you know, you could shoot, do another car or another improvement in the house to add to the aesthetic and property value. So if you're looking at that, what camp do you fall into? Be honest with yourself. You know, what camp would you fall into? This is where that mental part that I've spoken to in many podcasts and many YouTube videos, the mental part of the DIY game is so important. Troubleshooting, this I feel so strongly about this, troubleshooting and problem solving in the trades should be literally a college degree. It really should. Imagine, just imagine the confidence boost. A person who identifies an obstacle fashions a solution, applies the solution to that problem and overcomes it, you know, in a reasonable period of time. Shoot. Bam, son. Huge emotional lift. Huge. I can't believe it. I can remember being a new contractor and I come across stuff, you know, things that I had never come across. And I, I had my Rolodex back in the day where I knew if I came across plumbing or electrical or cement or, or structural or something, I always had people who I could ring up and that really built my confidence and I learned from them and I was pretty much able to do most of the things myself after a year or two. But nonetheless, as a DIYer, this is not your career. You're, you're doing this as a, a matter of 
self-improvement and property value improvement, etc. So what are some of the obstacles to be aware of going into a landscape project? This is just a short list and I'm not going to dwell on any one and one isn't more important than the other. It's just, I just knocked out 10 as I was scripting this thing out. And maybe, just maybe, you might find one of these and you need to fashion a solution around it. Previous owners that I have seen place shallow, illegally placed natural gas lines or propane lines. Yep, there's not only illegality involved in that, but there's also major ass, major ass danger that can go along with that. Unknown uh, and discovered pressurized water lines. You know something, you can be trenching out your new drainage line and you go through some unforeseen pressurized water line that you have no idea that it was ever there and all of a sudden your trencher hits that and severs and you don't know where to turn it off at. Older homes have some really really dicey gate valves, main gate valves and now you're having to how I got to turn this thing off of the street. Who in the hell do I call? I don't have a stem wrench to turn that thing off at the, the meter. What the hell? Meanwhile everything is just filling up with water. Yeah. That can be a, one of those pucker factors of somewhere around, you know, 12 out of 10. Uh, like I mentioned on the anomalies, the electrical lines uh, that were put in incorrectly, and they are energized. They're energized, and as a result, they don't go anywhere. They were put in, and they go, well, someday we're going to put an X back here, and I'm just going to run this out there and bury it, yeah, like six inches underground, under the lawn. And now the lawn's coming out, we're going to reconfigure the whole layout, and yeah, we've got live wires. Nothing like having a live wire wrapped around a trencher chain. Mm, yeah, indeed. How you have to jump off safely and you don't ground yourself out. And <laughs> uh, Old sewer lines. Yeah, old sewer lines. Those are, those are fun. Especially the old uh, Orangeburg lines or other things. Or even, even current you, you find homes that are built in the 50s and stuff like that, they still have old Orangeburg, and a trencher goes through Orangeburg like just butter. And all of a sudden you've got uh, a messed up sewer line that comes out of your customer's home or your home, and now you're having to fix that. Utility lines as far as cable, phone, any other public utility, make sure you call that 811. Don't you dare. I've said it already a couple of times. Don't you dare start your landscape project. I don't care if it's backyard or not. Don't, you do not start your landscape project without making an 811 call. You really don't. And as I alluded to earlier in the show, how about graves? <laughs> yeah, check out my ebook. Give you a great story on graves in people's backyards. Indeed. Buried obstacles like that patio I mentioned at the top. Top of the show. You know, holy crap. I had, when I took the skid steer and I exposed all of this and my crew and I were looking at this going, what the hell was this? At first, I thought it was the big lid to a massive, but this was an urban house. I knew that there were public utilities and public plumbing in this. So I knew it wasn't a big septic tank. It didn't have vault holes on it or anything else. And I'm just going, huh, well, this is weird. Uh, some other things that, I've, that I have found, especially when I was working up in the foothills of Northern California, is huge, huge rock obstacles. And I'm talking uh, feet of rock obstacle. 
you know, you're going to put in a, a drainage line and you're trenching and eh, it's a little rough, but all of a sudden your trench is just going bing, 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 and it's not going anywhere. And you take your little shovel and you start exposing and you've got a boulder outcropping that is six feet across or more. And now you have to reroute maybe somehow, kind of, because the only thing that would get you through where you're going is dynamite. And, oh, that happens to be three feet from the corner of the house, so you're not going to be exploding anything. Yeah, just a little something. One of the biggest obstacles I ever faced was at my very first house, one that I did not know about until I was into it. Be careful if you have them. Many up in the north will not have to worry about this, but palm, removing palms and the stumps if, if and when you get it down to the ground, then you have to remove the stump. Yeah. Look it up and see if you can find a tree company that'll actually come out and work on that. Lastly, I did talk about a septic and leach field that no one expected. Uh, you start finding a, a septic vault and leach fields where maybe they only did 12 inches of cover over it instead of like two to three feet. And all of a sudden you've got this leach fields with, you know, drain rock and other stuff. Yeah, it's just some of the obstacles. But you know something? I'm sure, no, I'm just not going to say sure. I'll say be positive that there are others out there. Eh, I just can't think of them for the, the short podcast that I have. What I suggest, you know, is from a DIY perspective, try this. Number one, if you allocate yourself uh, a month, a month to get through your DIY landscape project, allow yourself an extra two weeks, extra time. I always suggest that if you're saving for a DIY landscape project, whatever you come up with, add at least 10 to 15% if you're doing it yourself. Now, if you had a contractor come in, you'd better have 20 to 25%. Doesn't mean you have to spend it. It just means you have to have it just in case. I mean, that, that big patio slab that I had to cut out of there with all the rebar and everything else, you know, in shoot, that was something like $2,700 that cost those people. And that was back in the beginning 2002 or three. Having resources ahead of time should you need them. And I mean resources in the form of call around and talk to people that are in the trade that you might have to lean on. Uh, cement people, plumbers, electricians. Uh, it's always good to be able to speed dial and say, Mr. Smith, from Smith Plumbing, I have hit a, I have hit a sewer line, and I need your help desperately. Either walk me through it on the phone, or how soon can you get here? A pressurized water line, you know, a plumber generally, most plumbers don't even deal with sprinkler lines. You would have to have a sprinkler person, you would have to have a landscaper on speed dial in order to come out, and then know how to shut off water and every all the the electricity and other things, very, very good self-reliant thing to know about your home. Lastly, have a plan. Have a schedule, add a little bit of time to it, and have the help that you can call should you need it. That's some of the best thing. If you've got family in town, in county, or somewhere within the region, would really help if all of a sudden you need knock, 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 or ring, ring, ring. Man, I am in a bad way. I need your help. This has happened at my project. Can you finagle some time to get, help me get over this? There's nothing like having someone come to your 
come to your aid and come to your side and help you not only put another set of eyes and a brain to it, but eventually overcome it. And then make sure you treat them right. I don't say this to scare anybody. It's just uh, for knowledge, knowledge is power. You know, almost all projects, all DIY landscape projects and professional projects go smooth from start to finish. And I'm sure yours will as well. But there are those percentage of that 100% projects that just the, the freaking wheels fall off the bus. And there's nothing worse than have something go wrong and then your yard is a freaking disaster. It is torn the hell up and now you're facing problem X and you just don't know where to turn. So an ounce of prevention, an ounce of education, however you want to put it, is worth a pound of cure. We've all heard that at one time or another. Lastly, lastly, don't be your own obstacle years down the road. Take photos of your current project work. The start, uh, the trenches, what is in the trenches, where it is. Slap a measuring tape down on the ground from the corner of your house and take a picture of it where the trench is and where that electrical line or that gas line or wherever. So 15 years down the road, you don't go, where did I put that? Where is it at? No, you, you have a recordation of it. And if you end up selling, you know, you can always turn those photos over to provided that it's legal. <laughs> let's, let's be clear on this, that you're, you're doing everything above board, that you can turn those photos over to the new owner and say, hey, here's where X, Y, and Z. You know, at Weed Patch Ranch, uh, when I started tearing into the ground and stuff, the owner that sold it to us, and they, they left the state, they went back east. Uh, but he gave me a sketch and a reasonably accurate one as far as where the, the gas lines were, where the water line, the electrical, and everything was. And he had it down to within inches. So when I started exploring with my shovel, sure as hell, I found it. I found the, the blue tape for water and the red tape for electrical or yellow tape for electrical. I forget what it is buried under the ground. So it was very easy to find and very appreciative that that was there. You know, being self-reliant and a DIYer is such a great skill set in this day and age. Having that sense of self-confidence to meet obstacles head on, really no matter what they are, they don't have to be just landscape projects. It could be life projects for all you know. And overcome, man, that is a priceless commodity that you can put your head on your pillow with every single day. Couple that with some good common sense and a reasonable, reasonable expectations of oneself, and you are ready to take most anything on that life has to throw at you, you really do. Since knowledge is a big part of all of this, if really it is, if you know about it and you know how to deal with it, that's 50% of the battle. But my point is maybe considering helping coach out just a little bit, visit the website and check out the ebook and the course. They would give you a huge leg up on any landscape project you're doing or considering. Seriously, that DIY course is like a two-year college education at a community college. There's that much education in it and that much landscape education, you can float through a landscape project darn easy. And with the confidence and education you have just from this, then you're pretty much set. So well, I invite you to share your thoughts and maybe drop a comment or an email to me and let me know what some things that you're fearful of taking on your project or what you have faced 
so that I could add to my list of obstacles. That's what I have for you guys this week, and I so much appreciate it. Hey, if you've stayed this long into the podcast, you know, maybe considering visiting us every week. I'd really love to see the podcast grow. As always, to your landscape success, you guys take care. I very much appreciate your attention. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Yard Coach Podcast. Don't forget to head over to the website at youryardcoach.com where you will find more DIY landscape education, including the free 15-step DIY landscape checklist, Coach Matt's ebook called Landscaping Simplified, and the flagship digital course, Homescape 1.0. As always, if you have any questions or comments, you can email Coach Matt directly at youryardcoach at gmail.com. We'll see you right here next week.